The city of Richmond becoming a prime target for gun violence. Richmond. The city of Richmond was known as one of the most dangerous cities in the Bay Area, if not the country. This is the For Our Future Podcast. Let's keep Richmond moving forward. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome once again to the FOF Podcast. If you're rejoining us, thank you so much for your continued support. If you're new to the channel, please don't forget to like, share, and most importantly, subscribe to the channel. Now, tonight, we're talking about a very, very important topic, especially given the political climate and the racial climate. We're talking about knowing your rights. We have a very special guest tonight. We're going to hold you guys once again in suspense before we announce him. Like I always do, I like to present my comrades behind the mic. I, myself, am Jay, a.k.a. Johnny Long Days, a.k.a. Anonymous Iguana. Anonymous Iguana. And that handsome devil over there, his name is Insama Ramirez. How you doing, Insama? Hey, hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, we're we're going to make it happen. Adante, ooh, that slipped. I shouldn't have said it yet. <laughs> oh, man. What you doing? <laughs> All right, and then as always, we have Lady D, D Money. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I, you know, thank, thanks everybody for joining us. We hope you um, learn a lot from this episode today. It's going to be super insightful. We have a very special guest, like we said, and this is actually take two. So this is kind of a little hint for what's coming. Yeah, and with that being said, we're obviously greatly appreciated that he made time again to come in and get this thing squared out. So that we can talk about once again this very very important topic now waiting has immense it's over graduating out of uc berkeley with academic honors via uc hastings college of law in san francisco via oakland california he's a bay area native mr adante pointer how you doing adante I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, you know, just happy to be able to be on your platform and share some of this information. And, uh, you know, just, it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a definitely beautiful thing. And once again, we appreciate you being here. Last time we couldn't get something figured out. It was just one little switch. But, hey, we made the time. And Dante made the time. This man's time is very greatly appreciated. I think I speak on behalf of all of us here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and... Dante, why don't you break down and give people sort of your background and, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I mean, you know, the, the breakdown, the short story is, you know, I, I got it out the mud. Um, mm -hmm. Born and raised in West Oakland, a couple of blocks from McClymans. You know, I wasn't the by traditional standards and grades and all this. I wasn't I wasn't a straight A student. I was barely making it and just barely getting by. Frankly, I was doing just enough to keep my mom off my case. So I was like, you know, if I if I got a C plus, you know, I thought I was doing something, you know, and and so uh, but it, it it wasn't until, you know, frankly, I got into uh, my senior year of high school. I got kicked out of Odell, wound up going to Berkeley High for my senior year. And um, when I got there, I actually had some some uh, teachers who were people of color. Mm 
And so it made uh, education more cool to me, frankly. And so I started paying attention more, and uh, I took the blind faith leap of applying to college, and I got in to many people's surprise, including my own. And uh, when I got to college, I started off at San Diego State, and uh, you know, I, I didn't I didn't come from a family with money or anything like that. And so what wound up happening was uh, I wound up actually started reading the work. Okay, I actually started reading the books, and when I read the books, I actually got a scholarship that I applied for, and it was like 250 bucks. But imagine from a kid from West Oakland, the idea of reading equating money mm-hmm. or a way to take care of your family was something that was new for me, mm-hmm. and so it got me excited, especially because I had a kid at the time. You know, I started mm-hmm. early, and so uh, uh, my my daughter was born my first semester of college, and so from there, uh, my whole mind state in terms of thinking about how school could actually help me became more real and tangible you know when you're sitting there in those desks in you know junior high and high school you're like what am i ever going to use this stuff you know but it's not necessarily that information that you're learning at that point in time that's going to help you it's the idea of actually focus being yeah. disciplined and completing yeah. projects that helped me at that time yeah. so uh, to kind of speed up the story if you will i wind up transferring back to uc berkeley because i wanted to be uh, a father to my daughter a better father than necessarily what i had in terms of being more involved and just frankly being around and and so uh, I wound up graduating UC Berkeley, and to my surprise, you know, when I got to Berkeley, I didn't think that I was smart enough to really be there. But I wound up graduating with a with a GPA in the top 10% of the school. Went on to uh, to uh, UC Hastings College of the Law, and once again, you know, life intervened. I had sick parents. I was raising my daughter, and uh, you know, didn't have no dough. I was like, you know, everything that they're doing on BART right now and trying to uh, enforce fare evasion, they probably would have had my picture there at the BART station. At every stop. (laughs) Every stop. Well, particularly West Oakland and San Francisco Civic Center. I think statute of limitations have passed, so I feel pretty good talking about it at this point. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, made my way through Hastings, barely made my way through Hastings. In fact, uh, you know, I had a professor tell me he didn't feel comfortable re- recommending me to even sit for the bar exam. Wow. You know, he said uh, he didn't think that I had essentially what it took, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to yeah. even just to take the test. Mm-hmm. And uh, fast forward a few years afterwards and found myself practicing doing civil rights work and just to think the school wanted me to come back and and host alumni of the year events and you know donate money and you know take my image and picture and put it on in order to get other people to come there the same you know law school that doubted me even being worthy enough to take the exam to be an attorney Mm -hmm. and um so since then you know i took on the fight of uh for the community you know the very community born and raised in and you know uh it's been one heck of a ride. You know, I enjoy fighting on behalf of the community. I enjoy fighting on behalf of the little woman, the little guy against the big corporate folks. And, um, you know, really just holding people accountable. Uh, you're not going to offend the community, the community on my watch if I can help it. Yeah. That's very admirable. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Even, you know, UC Hastings, they have really notable alumni like Kamala Harris, you know, our vice president right now. She's she's an alumni from UC Hastings. They have a lot of like really notable people that go, that come from there. And you know something that struck me is how, you know, you had doubters, even professors doubting you and the system mm-hmm. is already in, in my opinion set up for you to fail. You know, um, especially people from from our communities, people of color, is not 
set up for us to be successful. And so there's extra barriers that we have and, and hurdles we have to get past in order to make it to success. So maybe can you share a little bit about some of those challenges that you have may have faced? <laughs> I know you probably got a long list, maybe just a couple. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you see the people put the money on their arms on Instagram to show all the money. <laughs> oh, That's <yeah>. the list <laughs> of the challenges that I had to <laughs> yeah. overcome. You know, no money <laughs> was at the top of it. Uh -huh. You know, um, man, like I said, I, I, I wasn't you know, I didn't grow up and nor was I uh, thought of in terms of teachers and the educational system as being some exceptional student, some genius, some talented person, you know, but we all have talents. But if you measure people by one particular measuring stick, it may not capture or fully appreciate what your talents are. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the whole way through, I certainly doubted myself. I didn't see myself as being somebody who could contribute in this way, but I was definitely passionate about the idea that my community deserved the same amount of resources in West Oakland as they had in Piedmont, mm -hmm. as they had in Montclair. Yes. And so, you know, to me, you know, some of those challenges was trying to bridge that world and make sense of it all. And then as I, armed myself with other skills such as advocacy and being able to kind of take complex things and break it down and just relating to people and things along the path of, of academia or just, you know, going through school, you know, I had to face the idea of how am I going to pay for my education? I'm sure many people mm -hmm. out there are like, well, man, how do you pay for college? Mm -hmm. How do you pay for law school? Well, you know, some of it is financial aid, and I certainly took out loans. You know, man, when I finished up with law school, you know, I could have bought a Bentley, you know, <laughs> but I bought a future, yes. and which is more valuable, right? Yeah. As soon as you buy the Bentley off the lot, you know, that's depreciating. Mm -hmm. But one thing that somebody told me along the way, they said, man, they can never take your education from you, brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, along the way, you know, like I mentioned, I, I had a child. I, I, I raised her. She lived with me, mm -hmm. you know, a daughter. And so, you know, those are the things that I had to accommodate and adjust to but on top of that you know when you're in these academic environments sometimes it can be feel very hostile mm -hmm. you know because you're representing something yeah. that the institution you know doesn't even know how to embrace mm. you know fortunately you know along the way of everyone's journey you're gonna have those people it's not may not be a lot it may just be one but whoever that is that's supporting you whoever it is that's got your back whoever it is is giving you those words of support Use that as your rocket fuel mm -hmm. to get you to the moon, baby. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, what's on the other side of your struggle is worth the struggle. And that's why there's all these barriers in place to keep us from our greatness. Mm -hmm. Because once we realize our greatness, once we embrace our true destiny, our true royalty, our true lineage of not being oppressed, but of being regal. And I don't mean from any one particular culture. I mean all our cultures. Mm -hmm. You know, once we understand who we really are and what we come from, then you're going to be unwilling to be a second-class citizen. And just as importantly, you're going to free yourself from the shackles that they placed on our mind. Man, I'm fired up just listening to that. You hear that? <laughs> we relate to, I think it's near yeah, your heart moving for sure. forward, is all about uh, leveling the playing field, you know. And so one of the things we do is a scholarship program. And it may seem like a drop in the bucket to some, but for us it's really important. And we feel like this is us organizing, raising money to be able to support young people that are reaching reaching beyond and trying to fulfill their dreams. And it's really hard when you don't have that type of support system set up. You may not have people even in your own household that believe in you. But we want people that are viewing our young people who follow us to know that they have support with us. You know what I mean? So sometimes you just got to ask and put it out there, put it into the universe. And like, just put it out. 
put it out. People can't read your mind, so you got to put it out there. People will definitely want to help you. For sure. And definitely. I think, you know, finding finding that equity in your, in your education is also mm-hmm. something that we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but a uh, question that I want to ask Dante, you did, you'd mentioned that, you know, you, 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 you found in a sense your rock, and I'm only assuming that that may, might have been your daughter. Um, that sort of kept me motivated. But was there anybody academically that that held you down and, and sort of a mentor in a sense that that pushed you? Sure. You know, there have been different people along the way. Um, you know, once I got to to college, frankly, well, I could even go back to first grade. Like, I mean, I got in a lot of trouble. OK, in school, like I I think I had like probably like 35 detentions in uh, first grade. I mean, just to put it out there Mm -hmm. you know i got like i mentioned before you know suspensions i got expelled you know i got arrested as a juvenile several times you know i was definitely in the mix but i had those teachers who would be like why are you doing this you know which why your your mother worked so hard why are you doing this you know you're disrespecting her effort to give you more or when i got to college you know especially at uc berkeley uh there was a professor bruce kane and you know i was at berkeley i was trying to do my thing it was tough managing all that i was coming from and i remember he he told me to he encouraged me to apply for a scholarship and at that time it was the largest scholarship for an undergraduate student at uc berkeley it was like 12 bands twelve thousand dollars and i mean to me that was all the money in the world that was probably more than what my mom was making in a year working her little jobs that she was putting together and so uh he encouraged me to apply i got it and i used that money to fund uh my fellowship and the time that i spent working on capitol hill in washington dc so you know there are people like that are even in law school you know there's a uh, lady jan uh, Jan jameson she was over the legal educational opportunity program you know she would see me in the hallway and just smile or or bring me in when she saw me down and just say hey you know just come in here in my office and sit in here you know sometimes it's money sometimes it's encouragement sometimes it's just a smile you know but you have to understand that there are going to be people along the way and they come in all different shapes and forms those people whose names i mentioned some of them were black some of them were white some of them were latino that part didn't matter the part was is that they saw something in me that sometimes i didn't even see in myself and so that encouraged me to go forward Yeah, it's crazy that you mentioned the pressure. I'm actually an administrator at that school, and you you see it. You see how um, the pressure really gets to the the students and how they have to academically excel or perform. And, you know, um, the professors place that pressure on the students, and some of them aren't really helpful when it comes to, you know, nurturing the students. So I can't even imagine what it's like because that that school is intense. I see it every day, all the time, you know. Um, from the, the counseling out. perspective, you know, so I, I get what, what you're saying for sure. Yeah, I didn't even know. So you're up at Berkeley or, or Hastings? I'm at, I'm at Berkeley right now. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm an administrator okay. There. Man, look, and I bet you just your presence is giving some people hope. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. just going into those buildings with names that don't mean mm-hmm. Sproul Hall. What does that mean to me? You know, mm-hmm. who was that? Mm-hmm. You know, who was Bancroft? You know, these all the Hearst. You know, these are, mm-hmm. are are billionaires that don't mean anything to us because we don't know those names. But if I see you in the hallway mm-hmm. and you just give me a smile or make me feel welcome, mm-hmm. you know, that makes me feel like I'm supposed to be here or I'm mm-hmm. worthy to be here. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's yeah. you just being there is doing a lot. Shout you out. Know, I think Thank a you. prime example of that mm-hmm. is that they don't even call it Bolt. 
anymore. Right. right. Yeah. And we I don't know if you all know about that, but Bolt is, was a racist, right? And yeah. so they, they got rid of that name. But do you think it's welcoming to students to come into a school named after a racist? I mean, come on. It's like, so right. that's just one example of it. But we mm-hmm. could talk about this all, all day. I know we really wanted to dive into the subject of knowing your rights. And this, this is an important, very important subject. Uh, obviously, it's been in the news a lot lately but it's not anything new and it's been things have been going on in the community in our communities for years and you know they have uh, groups even like the Richmond Cowboys which was what they called the the police department back in the days here in Richmond when they were really walling out so we wanted to ask some questions about the do's and don'ts of interacting with the police department or law enforcement because it could be sometimes a matter of life or death. And so we wanted to give some young people, viewers, advice, professional advice on what could they do or should they do in these types of situations. So uh, Jay, do you you have some questions? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll give you an example and then then I guess I'll ask a question. So I mean, I've been racially profiled myself, twice actually. Um, One, I was very young and the other, I was actually still very young. But I was pulled over the first time got pulled out of my car. I didn't get pulled out of my car. Let me just be completely accurate. I got asked to, to step out of my, my vehicle. They handcuffed me and they sat me on a sidewalk. I did not know what I did. I Obviously, when you have the, the sirens behind you, your, your head is going at a thousand miles an hour. You're kind of spinning. You're confused. Like, what did I do? They get to you. It was at night, so they had that bright flashlight. Mm. Um, and... You know, um, he took my my ID. I mean, I'm sorry, my license. Ran my plates, I guess. Went back and then said, "Can you step out of the car?" Didn't even mind to ask. Yeah. I did, and then they, after they, I guess they they searched my car. They um, just handed me my driver's license and said, "Drive home safely." Yeah. So obviously, something wrong there. As a kid, here's the ironic thing about it. As a kid, I felt lucky. I felt lucky. I was like, man, I got I got away without getting a ticket. Then I was like, you know, obviously as you get older, it's like, wait, that that ain't right. That ain't right, you know. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, um, what is it that somebody can do, can say, or not do, or not say? Sure. Well, first of all, you know, the experience you had, unfortunately, is repeated every day, probably hundreds of thousands of times in the United States, uh, because it's almost like a rite of passage, unfortunately. That if you once you get behind the wheel of the car, you know, you are essentially open season because the vehicle code has thousands of reasons to stop you. Okay, from something hanging in your mirror. And sometimes they find those reasons, make up those reasons. And other times there's no reason other than you have some melanin in your skin or you're in a neighborhood that's considered a dope area or a hard crime, uh, high crime area. And it's funny. Uh, I heard that I was reading a police report today and it was saying the, the suspect was in a high crime area. And I'm thinking, well, it's only a high crime area because you guys are over over policing it. Mm-hmm. If you went in, if you busted down everybody's door in Piedmont or in the Kensington Hills, Mm-hmm. You're going to find plenty of crime there, too. Yep. But you don't call that a high crime area. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, you know, surviving these encounters and navigating these encounters, one of the things that I always try to tell people, and, and it may feel counterintuitive because when you're attacked, most people want to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. But when you're on the street and you're dealing with somebody who has a badge and a gun, that means they have been allowed to be the judge, jury and executioner. 
within the current policing system. So, you know, it's not time for you to turn into, you know, Johnny Cochran or some, you know, mm-hmm. Justice Sotomayor or someone else when you're under the situation where someone could permanently hurt you or kill you. OK, what you do want to do, though, is you can if you understand your rights, then you can also make sure that when they violate them, you know what to talk about on the back end. So one of the things that I tell people all the time is, you know, there is such thing as an internal affairs and filing a complaint. One of these things that is happening too often is that these officers do not have documented histories that match up to the way in which they're behaving on the street, because many times we're just happy to get away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we're just happy that they only wrote us a ticket and didn't beat us up or take us to jail or, mm-hmm. you know, those type of things. And so because that's the way we've been conditioned, because we've heard all the horror stories, yep. which mm-hmm. are real stories. Mm-hmm. So we're like, man, if I just got away with them searching my car, hitting me on, you know, having me on the curb for an hour, you know, we almost consider like that's a part of driving. But that's not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone, you know, if things like that happen, file a complaint, you know, with the police department. And if you don't feel comfortable calling and doing it, putting it in writing, because I know it can be intimidating to call the police. And then you are once again feeling like you're being attacked mm-hmm. because they're asking you all these questions. And you may mm-hmm. not know the answers to or you're not comfortable mm-hmm. dealing with someone who you feel like is attacking you or being aggressive. Mm-hmm. But that complaint is important. The other thing is. And I'll try to make this, you know, as quick as I can, but I'm hoping your your viewers will understand, you know, you would never go and take everything you own and all the people you love and put them on the line in a, like a, a, a basketball game against Steph Curry. Why? Because you know he's going to win, right? He plays basketball every day. You might play it at lunch. <laughs> or you played it when you were in high school. You don't play it anymore. You might play it on the weekends, right? And it's the same thing with a police officer. A police officer trains every day to do these things. Mm-hmm. This is not the time to try to match your wits or smarts with someone when you don't do this every day. What it is time to do is understand your rights. So if they ask you, can they do something? Typically, it means that you have the opportunity to say yes or no. Because when you're dealing with police officers, when they order you to do something, it's because they know they have the right to force you to do something. Mm -hmm. So if it's, you know, get out the car right now, that is not the time to be like, I'm not getting out the car. Because whatever reason in their mind, they form the opinion that they have uh, probable cause, reasonable suspicion to pull you out the car. And so if you resist that and resist is a very loose term. Although it sounds strong when we say it, resisting sounds like fighting, right? Mm -hmm. When we say it. But in a legal situation, resistance could just be moving too slow. Mm-hmm. It could just be mean you saying, hey, you know, well, what did I do, officer? And that's not wrong to ask that question. You're entitled to ask that question. But when you're being demanded to get out the car or being demanded to move somewhere and you don't, then that allows them to then use force. And if you then, which is a natural reaction to me, because I think most of us are brought up to where somebody puts their hands on you, you're like, you know, hey, man, don't touch me. Or you want to slap their hands away. But then that allows them to go to the next level of force. Mm-hmm. And that's how you see a lot of these situations, you know, spiral out of control. It's not that the person did something that was unnatural or wrong. It's our natural reaction to when we feel attacked. But mm-hmm. the way the law is written, it opens the door for the police to then use force against you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to just summarize it, keep a cool head. Try not to be the person that escalates the situation. Mm-hmm. How can you win when a person has a gun and training against you? Mm-hmm. You're not. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I'd rather you be in my office telling me your story about what happened. And then we're filing lawsuits or we're filing paperwork, or I'm telling you what was wrong and what was right versus your mother, your father, your sister, your wife, your cousin, your kids crying on my shoulder. And I'm giving them a hug explaining that I'm going to get justice for them. You were in the right, but you're dead. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Man, that's powerful. And I, and I know they're right. That, that reminds me of, of the video that you put together based on, on your personal experience. Uh, maybe you could share a little bit about that experience, that traumatizing experience from what I read. Well, you know, uh, whew, it was a traumatizing experience. And, you know, similar to, to the experience you had where you were pulled over by the police, you know, this is something that happens every day in our community. You know, I was essentially driving down the street seven o'clock or so the day after Christmas here in the Bay Area in the city of San Leandro. Okay, I was just going to the grocery store. I was tired of eating leftovers. Okay, and I was just like, man, I'm gonna go to the store, get something, bring it back home to my family. And so I'm driving uh, what was then the car I had, which was a nice uh, top of the line Mercedes Benz. You know, and so I'm just driving down the street, kind of not on my cell phone, not even really listening to music. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, you know, just my 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 kids are at home yeah i'm just cruising i'm just like okay this is my 10 minutes on the way to the store to just daddy could do his thing i'm gonna go get this food and shoot back and then next thing i know i saw a red the reflection of a red light in the interior of my car Mm -hmm. and it was like just going from kind of like lightweight light to dark okay so it's like dusk and so i'm like oh man because once again because of my experience and mm-hmm. i think most of the people can appreciate this we kind of scan the street for police like mm-hmm. yeah. they're not going to just get up on me quickly and i didn't see them coming you mm-hmm. know yeah. whether most, and i'm not doing anything is these are survival skills right, right. you know it's like you know if you watch you know the 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 antelope going in the serengeti you know in africa or something i mean yeah. it just kind of knows where the lion is at you yeah. know yeah. and yeah. so same thing so when it the, it surprised me that the officer was right on my bumper and so i was thinking to myself oh they must be going somewhere let me move to yeah. the side i pulled to the side but to my surprise they weren't going anywhere but to get on me mm-hmm. and so i pulled to the side and next thing i know i hear officers getting out get out the car right now get out the car right now and with some cuss words in there yeah. and so i'm like is this for me mm-hmm. what did i do and instantly that's the trigger right you're thinking to myself what did i do to deserve this knowing I hadn't done anything. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had the guns drawn on me, about four or five police officers, and they're yelling at me, conflicting uh, uh, orders. One is telling me, you know, get out the car right now. And I could tell by the way he was saying it, he was ready to shoot me right there in that moment. But at the same time, I had two officers on the driver's side, I mean, on the passenger side of my car, telling me to put my hands up and not move. Mm-hmm. Now, we've all seen these videos. Mm-hmm. You and I know, and anyone who has, who's fair-minded knows that all it takes is one hand going down, and they say you were reaching for something, the car moves, the car, the tire moves an inch, and they say you're trying to run somebody down, or, you know, we don't know what he was doing. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I'm paralyzed with fear because I'm looking down the barrel of all these guns, but when you hear the intensity in their voice, I'm thinking to myself, are you guys scared or you guys just want to shoot me? I don't know, mm-hmm. but I just know I want to survive. Mm-hmm. And so I had to negotiate my way out of the car. I had to de-escalate the situation by talking to the officers and explaining to them what I was going to do because the car was still in, in drive. 
Mm-hmm. It happened so quick, I didn't even have time to put it in park. Mm-hmm. It happened so quick, it wasn't like my car was, you know, the, the mm-hmm. door was unlocked or any of that. So I mm-hmm. negotiated my way out the car. I had, they made me crawl on the ground. They put the knees in the back and all kind of stuff. And mind you, this was right on International Boulevard in San Leandro, but it was the Oakland police. Hmm. So I'm sitting here like, why does Oakland police on me? And mind you, this is a police department I have sued a number of times. <laughs> and so they put me in the back of the car and they're asking me all these questions. And, you know, ultimately, when I was started asking them, like, hey, what was going on? What is this about? They're telling me, well, there was somebody who brandished an AK-47 in a silver car earlier in the day in Oakland. And I'm sitting there like. That's all you so, got? Yeah. like. So how many silver cars did you yeah, pull over today? Exactly. Did y'all go into the Oakland Hills pulling over every silver car at gunpoint and making soccer moms get out and you know the, the, mm-hmm. the good doctors get out and crawl on the ground? No. But you did that you thought it was fine to do that with me. And then, you know, once they finally let me go, they searched my car and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I didn't consent to it. You know, they went and did it on their own. And so uh, I knew they had violated my rights right then and there, period, because I never consented for them to go search my trunk. And so but I didn't say anything. And that goes back to what I was saying before. You don't want to alert them to do their job better. Okay. when you start talking about I'm going to sue you and all this kind of stuff. What does it do? It makes them like, oh, let me make sure I document everything. Let me stash this. And oh, this is what we found. You know, so instead I just played it cool and it was hard because I was outraged. I was mad. Mm -hmm. I wanted to cuss. I wanted to fight. Yeah. But I knew I wasn't in the position to do any of that. I knew that once I freed myself from the situation, I could double back or as a youngster say, spin the block and get even Mm -hmm. in the courtroom where there's some rules where I can ask the questions, you know, as opposed to them asking me the questions. And so, you know, they took it from it supposedly being somebody who showed an AK-47 to then talking about somebody had done a drive-by with an AK-47 in a silver car. I filed that complaint I was telling you guys about. And then, you know, several months later, they found, they, they ruled that the officers had violated my rights. And hopefully those officers got disciplined. They're probably, unfortunately, they're probably still out here on patrol. But I bet you they think twice about pulling over a Dante Pointer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a silver car. Or a silver car. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I, I can only imagine, I can only imagine how often that happens, you know, every single day. And the people who don't have the type of, of knowledge or, or background to understand what to do and how to act in those situations and how to come out on top of those situations, one, alive, and two, taking the steps necessary to make sure that doesn't happen again. So man, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a powerful story that you shared. And uh, if you want to check out the video, there's a video of it on Adante's website. Adante, what's the name? What's the website? Oh, yeah, sure. You could check it out on my law firm's website. That's www.lawyersftp.com. Lawyers, F is in Frank, T is in Tom, P is in Paul, are lawyers for the people. There Now, there's a rumor out there that the FTP stands for something else. You know, you can figure that out, but it's lawyers for the people. Is that in Spanish? Okay. I noticed that there was a lot of high profile cases on there. You, you've done a lot of work in the community. So what would you say is one of kind of your landmark cases that you, you're really proud of and something that you kind of want to highlight in, in tell audience? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, it's a tricky uh, thing to really identify any one particular case, not because they all don't have a special place in my heart, but because for each one of those cases, those were really people. 
And those were families and communities that were devastated by what the police did to somebody for no good reason. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the ones that I'm most probably well known for, uh, and or I should say the case is most well known, is the Oscar Grant case, which mm -hmm. was later turned into Fruitvale Station. Mm -hmm. You know, that case was something that I remember waking up uh, New Year's Day and seeing it on the news, and I was like couldn't believe my eyes because mind you you know now we're so used to seeing videos mm -hmm. viral videos mm -hmm. back in that day with the Oscar Grant like that was when cell phones first were getting videos yes, yeah. <laughs> so you know to see, actually see it you know was the first time that I feel like the world could really see what was happening in the way in which police were treating black and brown people. And so uh, I remember seeing that case and I lived with that case for several years, fighting that case only to then, you know, get some measure of justice for this family. But we also had the criminal case going at the same time. And that was the first time in 101 years an officer had been charged with murder for killing someone in the state of California. Well, and, you know, every year, you know, officers kill a whole bunch of people. So, you know, that's crazy that that was the first time that mm -hmm, happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the officer got a slap on the wrist. The case or the situation went on to become a movie. And, you know, and it's crazy because two years after all of the legal fights were done, only then did Bart release the report to the public saying that they knew what the officer Johannes Mesley did was wrong. Mm -hmm. But now they made this family fight for years in and out of court when they knew the whole time hmm. that what the officer did was wrong. And that's just symbolic of the system. Yep. And so, you know, there are other cases, other travesties, you know, we're currently fighting right now the Willie McCoy case with the city of Vallejo. You know, if anybody's been watching the news or their social media at all, Vallejo's off the hook. You know, Vallejo has officers who bend badges to commemorate shooting and killing black and brown people. Vallejo has officers who destroy evidence. Vallejo have officers who try to threaten and harass attorneys and journalists who are reporting about all the carnage and death and destruction that they're doing up there. You know, Vallejo is what Oakland was when I was growing up. You know, mm -hmm. Oakland, at, when I was growing up, had a group of officers called the Riders. Mm -hmm. Vallejo has a group of officers called the Fatal 14. You know, mm -hmm. and those officers have multiple kills under their belt. I mean, they're real life, mm -hmm. you know, Grand Theft Auto mm -hmm. masquerading as police officers. Wow. And so, you know, I'm sure I'll probably come up on the police union's page tonight and they'll say something bad about me. But you know what? I don't care okay. because this fight for our future and for the dignity of our community, it, it comes it comes with it. You know, mm -hmm. and so, you know, that case, you know, Mario Woods over in San Francisco, you know, he was gunned down in a hell of bullet bullets, you know, and he had a, a pocket knife on him. And, you know, the police just came out and unloaded on him. Four or five officers, you know, just gunned him down on videotape. And that's the case that I later came to find out when I was watching ESPN years later that caused Colin Kaepernick to start kneeling, you know. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of fighting for that family you know we always wish we could get the best results but you know this is not a system or laws that you and i created mm -hmm. you know as i tell people all the time you know i'm like a shepherd my job is to try to get as many people in my flock as many of my sheep to safety and not let the big bad wolf get you mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. within the framework and the laws that they created to protect and allow police to continue to offend us. So, you know, it's just a couple of the cases that I've been involved in, but I'm proud of all the cases. And, you know, each one of those cases represent a fight that I was happy to be involved in, but more importantly, a family that was harmed. Hmm.
Mm. So Dante, now you've been doing this. You've been doing this for a while now. <laughs> you've been doing this for a very long time. Starting, I'm not sure if you started there, but you were at the law of, of uh, the law offices of John Burris for 16 years alone. Absolutely. Right. Um, and uh, we're so you trying to call me OG. I get it. Call you OG. Or triple OG. What you saying? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to call you. You know. You know what you're talking. About. I'm seasoned. Right? So, given all those years, I know you know you've, you've done tons of tons of stuff. But mm-hmm. what what are some of the cases, or maybe maybe pick out one outrageous case that was just like you got to be kidding me. Uh, You know, one that comes to mind for whatever reason, uh, just as you say that, was a case, uh, City of Vallejo, um, where an officer pulled over a couple who were coming home after being out to dinner, uh, and they claimed the, 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 the man was driving, the boyfriend was driving, the fiance was driving. So the police pulled him over and said, hey, you're DUI. So they go to arrest him, and they put him in the back of the car, and they're about to tow the car. And, you know, the, the young lady is crying. She's like, how am I going to get home? This is at night. How am I going to get home? And the officer's like, well, you know, we got to tow the car, but what we'll do, we'll give you a ride home. You know, so he goes to give her a ride home. And uh, when they get to the apartment that she shared with her fiance, mind you, the fiance has been taken to jail. They don't have the key. So he's like, oh, you know what? I'll go. You know, we'll go to the jail and go get the key. Now, mind you, on all the rides there, this lady's intoxicated. The officer's talking to her very sexually suggestive. And he takes her to the jail to get the key then takes her back to the boyfriend in her apartment. And then as opposed to him, you know, it's like some good Samaritan taking her on a ride and then letting her go. He invites himself into the apartment, exposes himself, does some whole kind of crazy lewd stuff all while he's on duty. Wow. So, you know, this is like the ultimate predator, right? Like you pulled over somebody, put the DUI on the boyfriend, separated her from the boyfriend in the course of that disparaged or talked bad about the boyfriend, encouraged her to leave him, take her to the jail, get the key for her so that you can then have access to her and in their house. Wow. And, you know, that officer didn't get fired. And so, you know, he's probably still on patrol, whether it's in the city of Vallejo or somewhere else. You know, it's like these officers, man, they're like the Catholic priest scandal. You know, it's like they get allowed to transfer from department to department and harm and offend and abuse and, and, and disrespect the community. And you don't even know. You know, and this is the officer that's pulling you over, talking to you about a traffic ticket. And you don't know that that officer was somewhere else and killed somebody in cold blood. Mm-hmm. You know, like. There's no reason that these type of act uh, uh, bad actors <laughs> should be allowed to patrol the community in our name. Man, that is absolutely insane, man. That, <laughs> that is absolutely yeah. crazy. Of the, um, I was reading on on your website too. You also worked with um, in the Celeste Squap case, oh, right? Wow. That's that's insane. Can you explain that to the viewers to see yeah. how like deep it goes? Yeah, that's that's homegrown. You know, right here in Richmond. Mm-hmm. You know, these are uh, police officers here in Richmond, here in Oakland, essentially the Bay Area who were preying upon predatory style, pimp style, child trafficking style uh, on a young lady whom, in my opinion, they had been grooming since a student in high school. Okay, and so uh, they uh, essentially preyed upon her and trafficked her around officers passed her around and you know they would do this on duty off duty and you know 
it, it was to the point where, you know, this young lady, you know, she already had issues in her own life. And they just capitalized and took advantage of it. And so, uh, you know, once we got involved, you know, we wound up we wound up seeing how deep down the rabbit hole that went, you know. And so it was just sickening because it only came to light because an officer who had been associated or linked to her commit well committed suicide after his wife mysteriously wound up dead. Now, you could draw your own conclusions around yeah. that. Yeah. But his wife wound up dead, and then he committed suicide and wrote a note, a su left a suicide note saying that, hey, I didn't have nothing to do with Celeste Guap, but other people did. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when that note came to the light, you know, essentially to me, a dying declaration, you know, mm -hmm. was brought to the light. You know, we looked into it and, you know, she reached out to me and, you know, other attorneys. And then we all, you know, rent came to her defense. But, you know, that's the sickening depravity uh, of some of these officers mind state. Mm -hmm. You know, the officers who would gladly throw anyone that we know in jail for something much less serious are themselves going around masquerading as police when they're really just wolves preying upon the sheep in our community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that one was actually Richmond and Oakland, so it really close to home. Super, super crazy and unfortunate that that's how things have been going down. Um, to switch subjects a little bit, uh, I really wanted to get more tips from you on what people can do as far as asserting the rights, knowing the rights. We talked a little bit about what to do in a police situation where they are having to interact with uh, law enforcement. But uh, I know like in movies, and they portray things as a certain way, and sometimes it's not completely accurate. So people sometimes think, oh, they didn't read me my Miranda rights or something like that, and they get to, you know, the case has to get thrown out. The judge has to throw it out. So I, I, can we talk a little bit about maybe some tips, maybe a little about Miranda rights so the viewers at home can know sure. for a little bit more? Absolutely. So one of the things when I go out and I talk to uh, students or groups, community groups, and I'm doing like know your rights type thing, you know, is I start with the basic fundamental thing that most of us know but really don't think about, and that is the saying that we've all heard on if you've ever watched first 48 you've ever watched any police show you've seen him say it and you should know it by heart and that is you have the right to remain silent anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law you have the right to an attorney if you cannot afford one one will be provided for you mm -hmm. that phrase is like you know uh uh a a that a it's embedded in our mind but B, when you really listen to what they're telling you, you have the right to remain silent. Okay? So that means you don't have to say anything to incriminate yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to explain where you were going, where you were coming from, who you were with, why you're in this area. Why do you have this on? Is that your hat? Do you stay there? Were you here earlier today? You have the right to remain silent because the next phrase is important. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. So they're saying, as soon as you start talking to me, I'm not taking this information to help you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be used against you in a court of law. Now, for whatever reason, and I understand sometimes it's out of anxiety, sometimes it's out of fear, sometimes it's out of, man, I know I didn't do nothing, or I could finesse my way out of this. 
Once again, it's like the analogy I gave you with Steph Curry. You would never go play one-on-one against Steph Curry on the basketball court and expect to beat him, mm-hmm. realistically, right? Because he does this every day. You're casual. So why do you think that you're going to finesse the police officer with a cap of some sort or talk your way out of something when in their mind, if they're asking you these questions and they've given, they've read that statement to you, Miranda writes, they already in their mind think they have enough evidence to at least arrest you for committing a crime. So the next phrase after that, which is if you can't afford an attorney, one will be provided to you is important because that's how you shut down all the questioning. If you say, hey, I don't want to say anything, I want an attorney, then then legally they cannot continue to ask you questions. Hmm. So, you know, it's a very important you understand that right, because I can't tell you when I used to, I did a lot of criminal defense, everything from DUIs up to murder cases throughout the Bay Area and how many good brothers and sisters found themselves fighting cases that they themselves essentially put together for the police. Because they were doing a whole bunch of talking, thinking that they were talking their way out of something when they were just really talking their way into jail. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you find yourself, you know, and the other thing that I think, like you said, looking at movies where I see a lot of people find it, find themselves in trouble is the police are like, what's your name? Or which give me your ID. Now, there are some parameters around when they can answer, ask that and when you have to provide it. But let me tell you, the exceptions to when you have to provide it are small. The rule, essentially, the general rule is that you have to identify yourself. And if you don't, then they have the right to take you down to the police station to do it. And so, you know, I get it. They're irritating. It's irritating you. You feel like you didn't do anything. You're in the car, but you're not the driver. And they're asking you for your name and stuff. You still have to provide that information. They pull the car over. You think this ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm going to walk away or I'm just going to leave. This is taking too long. You cannot do that. When they seize the car, everyone in the car is seized. Many young people don't know that. And so they're mad because they're like, hey, I wasn't driving. Why do you want my information? Why do you want my driver's license? I wasn't the driver. That's not what the law says. Okay, the law provides for the officer if they have the legal basis to detain the car or to seize the car, then you're on You're in it for the ride. And so, you know, once again, it's in those situations where I see is particularly young people or anyone who don't want to sit there, who don't want to cooperate at that point in time. They get upset and then it's escalating the situation. They want to leave or they don't want the officer to touch them. And now it went from we're talking about something to now they're putting hands on you. And they're trained to inflict pain. So, you know, you wind up with yourself getting a black eye, broken arm, broken hand or whatever else, tased, you know, shot, knee on your neck, George Floyd style. Man, I don't want to see that. But I also know, having done this work, as you said, for, you know, 16 years, that you could be as calm as you want to be and be doing everything right and still wind up a victim of police abuse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just it's important that everybody, you know, just try to keep a level ahead as you possibly can get out of the situation, take the ticket, fight it in court where there are rules. When you're on the side of the road, there's no judge there to say who is wrong or right. You know, it's like playing a, a, a sports game and there's no referee or umpire to call a ball a strike or a foul. You know, the person who's going to who's going to win is going to be the one who has the ability to beat you up, who has the power. Mm-hmm. And who's that? The person with the badge and the gun. Or Steph Curry. 
Or Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so the, the right to remain silent, that reminds me, I think it's the fifth agreement episode of Chappelle shows, like one, two, three, four, fifth. So yeah, me, absolutely. You know, that always reminded me, like one, two, three, four, fifth. You know what's funny? Once you started hearing the Miranda rights, I was like, man, what else do I know? Off the top of my head, that's burned into my brain. And it's the Shane Code Company. The Shane Code Company. Good to have a friend of the business. <laughs> we got a friend in the business yeah. called the Dante yeah. Pointer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, something else that I've seen, like a new phenomenon that's been happening, people have been doing, civilians have been doing, they call it like a civilian police audit. I don't know if you've seen these type of videos, but it's like a regular average civilian goes out into the community and sometimes they even put themselves in situations where they, they try and make themselves look like they, they could, like they were doing something, maybe potentially illegal, even though if they're not, to try and draw the police to, to mm. want to talk to them. And then they just usually try to assert their rights and then see where it goes and see if the police are overly aggressive and stuff. Have you where, seen any of these videos? Does, does I, that happen? Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, that sounds absolutely batshit crazy. <laughs> Being a freshman, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. So where is this happening? Yeah. YouTube. Utah? YouTube. Okay. Yeah, YouTube. Right. Uh, I definitely don't endorse that approach. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, why are you going to invite potential death, harm, or destruction and arrest and everything on you, you know, just to show that you're smarter than somebody, you know, that's the ultimately, that's the ultimate ego flex, mm -hmm. you know, which, which can wind up going bad. So I definitely don't endorse that. However, you know, if we're talking about police audits or a citizen patrol or, you know, citizens holding police accountable, you know, if you see somebody dealing with the police and it looks like it's going to go sideways or it's escalating, you know, stay a safe distance back and film it, you know, and when you're filming, you know, keep your commentary to yourself, okay? Man, that's fucked up, whatever else, man, listen. Because when that film, if it, something should go sideways and it comes into court, you know, what you're saying is gonna influence what people think they're seeing. And so, you know, you don't need to narrate it, just film and make mm -hmm. sure you film what the officer is doing and if you can, with the person who the officer is dealing with because you know I always see these videos and I get it you know it's an exciting situation you're trying to hold it you're nervous too but it's like I can't tell you how many people come to me with a case and then right when I needed to see what was happening the the camera moves or it comes off the person or they're showing themselves mm -hmm. and doing a selfie I'm like man I don't want to see you <laughs> I want to see the action as to what was going on you know so you know man film and uh, the ability to record stuff on the cell phone is so important and if it's you that's interacting with the police you know just turn your phone on on the recorder or you know call your voicemail or call a friend and allow that to record what's taking place even if you can't film it and get it on camera just the audio recording you know, and just for your own basis, just narrate what's going on. Officer, you want me to get out the car? Okay, I'm putting my hands up right now. You know, because the phone can pick up what you're saying, even if it can't pick up, you know, record, video record what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Having a record of what you supposedly did and what was said goes a long way because, man, I can't tell you how many police reports are not accurate. You know, mm -hmm. officers are trained to use the same excuses, the same justifications over and over again. So dialing it back a little bit, let's say someone is in a bad situation, right? They're, they're in, um, in front of a police officer. 
what are their options from there? Like, who should they call? Where where can they go? I know there is an option for a public defender, right? right? But then you've just been told you can get like your own lawyer. Can they go and research it? Or like, what what would you recommend, I guess, uh, if a person's there in that point in time? Yeah, sure. So, you know, uh, while you're there on the street, there's not much a lawyer's gonna do to save you. I mean, frankly. And, you know, given that I grew up here in the Bay, I get a lot of calls. I used to get more, but I don't do criminal defense anymore. But I can't tell you how many times I get calls in the middle of the night. Man, Tate, yeah. man, they over here tripping. I'm like, look, well, I'm in my bed, man. I mean, you know, there's nothing I can do for you right now, you know, other than you can put me on speaker and I can make my voice sound like, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever else and make them kind of relax a little bit. But, you know, the to come down to it, as you said, what can you do if you're facing with a legal case? As I tell people all the time, as fast as you can lawyer up, lawyer up. Because they started building their case as soon as they started interacting with you. Mm-hmm. So if you wait until you show up to court two months later as a day on the ticket and all this stuff to then try to figure out, do I need a lawyer and stuff? Man, you, you, you already are so far behind in this competition. Because as I tell people, you know, the way the criminal justice system is set up, it's like being on a train that has an ultimate destination already predetermined. The only thing that's going to alter that train getting to its destination is by you doing something to change the destination of the train from taking it from injustice system to a justice system. You know, you cannot rely upon the district attorney to to do the facts and 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 understand that, oh, you really didn't do it. You know, when they get the the case from the police, it's framed in a way that this person did something and this is all the things they did. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that you get an attorney on the case as quick as possible. And if you can't even afford an attorney, get people out to the scene, you know, your your friends, your parents or whoever, or a private investigator to document the scene, take pictures, get witness statements. I mean, you know, it's just important that you not sit on your hands and then right when you start hearing about all the time they're talking about, now you want to get involved in your case. Mm -hmm. That's too late. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be uh, thinking about that from the beginning. So, yeah, public defenders, though, here in the Bay Area, man, for the most part, you know, like anything, right? There's good and bad in any, you know, just because you pay a bunch of money for an attorney doesn't mean that attorney's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in judges' chambers where they go as us as attorneys to negotiate or hash out a penalty or a sentence, you know, on a case. And those high priced attorneys are laughing about, man, my client's so dumb or so stupid. And I'm like, mm. I, I mean, mm. I couldn't believe I was hearing this stuff. And I'm like, I know you cost somebody 50,000, you know, yeah. to be in here and you back here bad mouthing this person, mm-hmm. you know, if they only knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, just start early, get you an attorney. And, you know, I liken it to you wouldn't let a surgeon, you know, or a doctor operate on you if you could talk to him and you didn't like him, right? So if you have an attorney and you're not feeling them, yeah. don't keep them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting bad vibes, man, get out of there. Yeah. You know, switch it up. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's so unfortunate with public defenders because a lot of the times it's it's not that they're bad is that they're really overworked Absolutely. so then it's just so unfortunate you know and they're just dealt with a lot of cases at once and it, it's just not to their advantage you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. absolutely the thing that's interesting i, I you know they certainly and, and, and it's structurally set up this way mm-hmm. the public defender has less resources than the district attorney so the prosecutor gets you know, all of the top-notch stuff, all the money they need, all the resources, and the public defender's office is essentially starved and they're overworked. 
But the public defenders, because they're there in court every day, they know the deals. They know what people are getting for different crimes. Mm -hmm. So when I would go into, you know, courtrooms where I wasn't familiar with or I didn't appear in all the time, like taking cases up in Santa Rosa and, and stuff like that, you know, I would buddy buddy up with the public defender because they're there every day. They know the judge you don't want to go see. Or they know that the dang they put that DA on the case, man, they must want your your guy, because man, you know, that one, all they all they care about is winning. You know, they don't care about justice. They just want to win. And so then mm -hmm. I would be on high alert when dealing with that particular district attorney or that deputy DA. So, you know, man, just, you know, use all your resources and, you know, get involved with your case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of resources, Dante, where can people contact you as a point of reference as a resource. Man, let's put the beard. Batman symbol up in the sky, man. I'm going to pull up. <laughs> All right. Uh, you heard it here first. It's Bruce Wayne right now. <laughs> no, um, you know, uh, my, my website for my law firm, www.lawyersftp.com. Lawyers with an S, ftp.com. I'm also on social media. My name, Adante Pointer. Uh, and I'm on Twitter, Adante Pointer, uh, Dante ESQ. But man, just... You know, Google Adante. There's not a lot of us out here. So, you know, good and bad is going to come up. No, it should be all good. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm right here, man. I'm in Oakland and I'm and, I, and I'm yeah. everywhere, man. Like the air, man. The earth is my turf, baby. Definitely yeah, yeah. been everywhere. Because if you check the news, you, if you look up that name, you're going to see a lot of different news, <laughs> news sources see a lot of Adante. Uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, you're also going to see his picture on the uh, West Oakland uh, bar exit. <laughs> right there. Man. Right. Probably with a bounty on it, man. <laughs> Right. You, know, you spoke about, you know, a predetermined train. This train is coming to its end. This is where we like to give a lot of shout outs. Oh, man. It's over already? Crazy, right? Man, I had a good time, man. Hold on. We got to keep this thing going, man. Hold on. I'd love to have you back. Because I, like, I feel like, you know, for the most part, I got lost in, like, all your stories and everything it's like so that. Good. And, uh, man, there is so much more that we could have talked about uh, in regards to civil rights. But, man, I got just brain warped. And I was like, I need to know more about this and that yeah. and this. What did you what did you go through? Well, uh, so, man, we would love to have you back if you're available. Obviously, absolutely. You're, you're a busy man. So, man. Uh, <clears throat> but if we can make that happen, that'd be great. I love to come back, you know. Uh, yeah, fine. And forgive me, man. You know, look, I'm an attorney, man. I'm a storyteller. So I start oh, running. I, I could talk all day, man. You know, yeah. if you let me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, this is what I, and that's what kind of keeps me passionate about it all because as I'm dealing with a case, to me, it's a story and it's about a client and it's all this human stuff that we all come into these situations with. You know, I, you know, people don't, most of the time, people are not picking to go out and find themselves in these situations. Mm -hmm. So they have whatever they brought to that situation. Now they're trying to deal with it and then they wind up in front of me and mm -hmm. we're going to figure out the Rubik's Cube and get it right. You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So before it gets too late, you want to see Dante outside of the courtroom instead of in the courtroom. He's the last person you want to see in the courtroom. <laughs> and the judge, right? This is all inside, inside, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man. Right. And someone, did you have any shout outs or anything? Uh, oh, take it back. We have some announcements to say. Um, Selma, could you please uh, reiterate those announcements from yeah, last night, The please? main announcements we wanted to share is that we have our scholarship program. I did mention it earlier in the show. It's open. You can find it on the movingforward510.org website. Log on there. Let all the young people you know that are attending college, getting ready to go to college, maybe they're just graduating, make sure that they know that there's resources out there such as this one that they can take advantage of. All they got to do is apply. 
there, there are some requirements, but it's accessible. So please don't think it's not for you because it is, and you could have an opportunity on your hands. So take advantage of it. If you have questions about how to apply, contact us, let us know. You can check us out on social media, Moving Forward 510. Let us know that you need some help with it. And we also are gonna have a show where we actually go more into detail about how to apply. So tune in and stay tuned for that. Yeah, that's dope, man, that's dope. Yeah, so we, you know, we, we definitely try to do the best that we can. Mm-hmm. So see. we can get people like you to come back to the community and give <laughs> the way that you're giving. Man. You know, it's definitely well, admirable that you're, that, like, I, you know, I even said it on Instagram, this man is through and through Bay Area, he's loyal to his soil, and he's out there grinding it day in, day out, looking out for people like us. You know, I feel more right fortunate to, to, to definitely have somebody like you that I, I personally that. know that's actually out there in the trenches. I appreciate yeah. that, man. But I mean, you know, look at the work you guys are doing here. You know, this is one heck of a platform. You know, you guys are giving out information. You guys are encouraging people, promoting positivity and putting people up on the real game so that they can improve mm-hmm. and level up their life. You know, that scholarship, that's the type of opportunity that once upon a time in a Dante Pointer who wasn't in a suit, who didn't even own a suit, mm-hmm. didn't own a tie, didn't know how to tie a tie. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't learn how to tie a tie until I was an adult. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's the type of opportunities that you know give people uh, a chance so man that's big right on and and on top of that i will i'm going to contribute to that scholarship wow yeah for real straight up let me know man i'm gonna kick in man let's do it and please note that this year the scholarship we we changed the requirements a little bit so it's a 2.5 you're not eligible to apply for the scholarship and it's open to people not only going to four years but two-year vocationals that's so we're opening that thank you so much Adante, that's that's like that's on the spot. Amazing. We didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, for that's real. Crazy. Like reaction right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what's up, man. For I mean, sure. you know, Definitely we, don't, yeah. we don't we don't kick it in. Yeah. yeah. So on that note, uh, I want to give a shout out to Adante Pointer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, yeah. man. They putting it on thick, man. They like they like that check better hassle. Man, like man, cut that check before you leave, man. It's great, great to have you here. And I no, I do really want to give a shout out to the viewers the ones that always um you know uh give their continued support once again if you're new to the channel um please uh like and subscribe we want to build a fan base and get monetized so we can get to a point where we're making a little bit of money to add on to that scholarship program that we're talking about so that's our main goal here on the in the f in the fof podcast um dante did you want any other shout outs man you know i want to shout out my law partner patrick Buelma. Mm -hmm. you know uh the law firm technical name is Pointer and Buona, but you know we prefer to go by lawyers for the people but uh, that's my partner he's in the trenches with me uh, he, he gets it in and uh, we make magic happen so you know I definitely want to give him a shout out and everybody out there that's man that's just caught up in the everyday struggle you know I know what it is man to get it out the mud and uh, I just want to encourage you man you you have everything you need to succeed you know it first starts with just believing that and everything else will come to you that's mm. right there mm. that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful note to end on no doubt that's 100% true and appreciate you like I said it again and Patrick hope you enjoyed he, he actually set this up right? yeah so. absolutely and we saw you subscribe Patrick so <laughs> you better be watching alright <laughs> right, yeah so thanks uh, also Chewy for uh, handling the boards tonight and uh, I think with that being said Chewy uh, hit those outro credits please <laughs>